morning, friends. We just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the killing of George Floyd. We wanted you to know that so that it does not seem like we are not speaking out about this injustice, but that it was recorded prior to this happening. We wanted this episode to still come out because we believe that injustice is fought and sin is fought and overcome with the gospel and that these resources in this discussion on discipleship could be a benefit to those who are looking for places to know what to do and where to go with the injustice that is happening. And these are all gospel-centered resources that could be a help. We realize that none of these resources we're talking about are specifically about racial injustice. So um, if you head over to Instagram, we will have some stories talking about different resources that we use that specifically address those issues. And finally, we want to let y'all know that Casey and I both are humbly learning and listening and wanting to know what it looks like for us to do better and to make sure everyone knows all different people, all different colors, all different races are made in the image of God and valued and loved. Hello, welcome back to Dorn Podcast. We are on episode 99. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. 99. Can you believe we've done 99 episodes? No. I was looking at our notes this morning and I was like, I mean, our notes for today are fairly short. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about like 99 yeah. episodes worth of notes it's like, a like book. that. Like how much content we yeah. have. Oh, that's a really good crazy. point. That is a good point. It's crazy. You might hear Reed again this week. He's joining us again. He's decided he doesn't want to nap. But that's okay. My children don't like to sleep. That's just <laughs> life. And I've just come to accept that. So It's okay. It's so it. what are we going to talk about today? This is our last episode before we take a summer break. So what, what do we want to leave the listeners with before we go on our break? So last week we talked about the Great Commission and how there's this mandate to make disciples. And so we talked about what that looks like a little bit. We talked about how it's both... Um, evangelism, sharing the gospel with non-believers, but it's also formation Mm -hmm. and teaching and growing after you become a believer. So this week, we're going to focus a little on that formation piece. Um, We could do a whole episode in itself on the evangelism piece too, but we decided to focus a little more on, on formation. This is actually a question we get asked about a lot in terms of what resources we use and just like how how do we live this out practically? Mm-hmm. And it's not because we're experts by any means. I think it's because people know it's something we're passionate about. And we have a little bit of experience just over the years kind of um, researching resources and using them in our daily lives with our kids and with um, people around us. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. How do we practically live out this idea of discipleship and what our some good resources. Yeah. So let's start with kind of just a recap of what, what is discipleship in case someone didn't listen last week, or if you did listen last week and you're like, wait, I want, I kind of want a little more definition for that. So how would you kind of describe this? So I really liked what JT English says. It's the same 
sermon that we linked last week, and he's actually going to have a book on discipleship soon, and we are so pumped. Like, we'll (laughs) probably read it in, like, one day. He's just so knowledgeable about this um, topic, and he's just very passionate about it. But what he says is, any kind of evangelism that only preaches justification by faith, but not sanctification and grace, is not only a small gospel, it's a false gospel. Evangelism without discipleship, that's cheap grace. It tells us that conversion is the touchdown, but friends, conversion is not the touchdown, it's the kickoff. It's the beginning of the game. So he's just putting this importance on a lot of times we think that evangelism is the goal. We think Mm -hmm. that conversions are the goal. We think that um, preaching to non-believers is the goal. And this is just a reminder that what happens after that is just as important. The conversion is like the beginning of the game. Yeah, I think I've said this before on here. I can't remember, but our pastor has this analogy of like a, um, think of like a timeline, right? So like negative 10 to positive 10, is that a timeline or a math line or whatever you call it? So like negative 10 to positive 10 and zero is the middle. Like we often think of conversion as the number zero and we just want to get people on the other side. So they're not in the negative anymore. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of stop or we think, Oh, I was successful because I shared Mm -hmm. the gospel and they accepted it. Now my job is done. But, um, our pastor has a really good point. He's saying like, you might be the person that takes them from negative negative 10 to negative four, or you might be the person that takes them from positive two to positive four. And all of that line is discipleship, moving them towards conversion and moving them towards, you know, glorification in the final day. And so Mm -hmm. we, we need to stop thinking of it as I need to just get to that conversion point and to really think of their whole life as Mm -hmm. this timeline becoming more and more like Christ. Yeah. And I really liked the example Aaron talked about last week. I think it was from JT too, but she was talking about how, um, were adopted as Mm -hmm. sons and daughters of God. And, um, if you were to adopt a child, you wouldn't just adopt them and then forget about them. Like you would adopt them and then you would take care of them. They're part of the family. You would help them grow and mature. And so that's really what discipleship is. Uh, do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah. I think sometimes, um, we might put evangelism, like we might try to separate them in our minds and put one against the other mm, like yeah. evangelism is more important than mm. um formation or, or vice versa and, and you really can't put them against each other jen uh wilkin i think it was jen that was saying this i thought it was a really good point is that you can um focus not necessarily focus on one more than, than the other but one will definitely f- automatically flow into mm-hmm. the other so yeah if you focus solely on evangelism the result of that is not necessarily formation, right. but if you f- so focus on formation and, um, and formation is just another word for teaching growing and growing and, teaching, and yeah. yeah. Um, if you focus on that, then evangelism will naturally flow out of that because when you begin to see God as most beautiful yes. and you see how that plays out in your life, one, other people are going to see that and want to know about it, which is going to give you a chance for evangelism. And also two, you're going to want others to know mm-hmm. about this good, beautiful God that you know, and that has saved you from your sin. And so naturally evangelism will flow out of that. So it's not that one is more important than the other, than the other, but it's that one, um, if we really focus on formation, evangelism will it happen. It kind of drives the other. Yes. And I've seen this firsthand in my life, and it's it's definitely true. Yeah. And so when we think about like living this out practically, which we're going to spend the most of our time talking about, I think we can, we can kind of think about two ways we do that. So um, 
when we look at the life of Jesus, what we see is that he taught and he modeled. Mm. And so we're going to kind of talk about what that looks like in different yeah. spheres that we're involved in, in the home, um, in the church, in the like in our friendships and relationships and in, in those kind of different areas. But one thing that reigns true for all of those areas is that we are called to, now these are fancy words, but stick with me here, orthodoxy and orthopraxy. And all that means is orthodoxy is like right doctrine or right teaching and orthopraxy is right practice. You know, if either of those are out of balance, then your discipleship is not going to be effective because if you're teaching right doctrine and you're not living that out, that is tarnishing the doctrine. And if you, if you're living it out, but you're not talking about why you are kind and why you are merciful and why you are gracious mm-hmm. and you're not explaining it's because of your right doctrine, then your discipleship is skewed also. Right. So right. it's kind and of this, um, both of these things, which mm-hmm. if we look at any of the gospels, that's what we see Jesus doing, right? Oh, Absolutely. Like we've been talking yeah. about in Matthew, he mm-hmm. teaches through parables, but he also demonstrates, he goes on the hill and mm-hmm. he prays and he, he does these different things. So he's modeling and he's teaching. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about first, um, the home. And I feel like Casey, you do a really, really great job of this. So let's oh, start, <laughs> sure. let's start with you. What does it look like, um, to kind of have discipleship in the home? Yeah. So we talked about last week and Aaron kind of alluded to it, but you kind of have these different spheres and Matt Chandler said, Um, in a sermon I was listening to that the home is kind of like ground zero for where discipleship should be taking place. And so what does this look like? And I'm going to talk about what this looks like for me in this season as a wife and as a mom with um, small children to getting preteen age children at home. So if you're single, this is going to look different for you. If you're empty nesters, this is going to look different for you. So this is kind of what this looks like right now in this season. And I think it's first important to talk about um, starting with yourself. Like if you don't know the Bible and if you don't spend time in the word and learning, then how are you supposed to share that with others? How are you supposed to teach it to your children? And so that's something that's, that's super, super important. So what does this look like for me? And this is something that I haven't always been real great about. Um, even recently, you know, there were times during quarantine where I was like, oh, wow, like I haven't spent much time in my Bible. But for me, this is just really basic. Just I like to listen to my Bible while walking. I found that um, I was having trouble kind of balancing like spending time like reading my Bible in the morning and getting some exercise in like I was having time I was having trouble finding time for both so I was like wait can't I just combine the two and it has been such a sweet time because I'm by myself I put my earbuds in I listen to scripture I listen to worship music I spend time praying I'm outside looking at God's beautiful creation and it has just been a really sweet time but then it's also important to um actually dig in and study where you can like write things down and take notes and stuff. So we both like to use the inductive method of study and a good resource to learn exactly how to do that is um, Jen Wilkins, Women of the Word. It walks you through that really simply. Um, I also like to listen to sermons and podcasts, Um, but I have had to force myself to actually focus on scripture before sermons and podcasts because the number one thing that's important is what the actual Bible says. So, um, some other things I would talk about when we're talking about discipleship in the home is, um, to encourage your spouse in this. This is something that Jonathan has talked about quite a bit. And, um, I don't know. I just think it's, it's something that I wouldn't have thought of, but a few years back, I kind of, um, just kind of 
handed over the reins to him in, in some aspect in terms of this certain piece. And I know I've heard a lot of women talk about getting frustrated with their husbands for not like just not for, for not leading. Like they want their husbands to just find a Bible study and walk through it with their family or just to automatically say like, Hey, let's read the Bible together every night. They want them to just take charge of that. And not every man feels comfortable doing that. And so a few years ago, I just simply asked Jonathan, I said, Hey, I think it'd be cool if we walked through catechism with the kids. Like, will you be in charge of that? And I gave him the new city catechism curriculum. I was like, will you do this with us every morning? And he was like, absolutely. And he still talks about, he's talked about it on the podcast. He still talks about how empowering that was to him and how just like encouraging that was to him that I obviously was like, you can do this. Will you lead us through this? But it was so helpful to kind of give him a starting place. It encouraged him. And so I just want to encourage you today. Like if you, (laughs) if you're in that place where like you feel like, man, I really wish my spouse was more on board, um, in terms of discipleship for the family, like communication is key. Like talk to them about it. Don't, don't come at them mad or frustrated. Like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you leading our family in this? You are supposed to be the spiritual leader. Like help them, resource them, love them, you know, say you can do this. And I would love for you to do this. Let's walk through, um, this together. And so hopefully we'll give you some resources that maybe you can do that. Maybe you can hand this to your husband and be like, Hey, can we go through this as a family? So that was just kind of a, a side note, um, is to really encourage your spouse in this as well. Do you have anything to, to add into any of this so far? Um, I would just say, I agree a hundred percent with what you say. I did that wrong about a hundred times. I did too. Yeah. (laughs) Before I realized it would just be easier. Um, so we kind of do the same thing. I'm like, Oh, I found this really cool Mm -hmm. resource. Is this something you could do? And I really would just add on to what you're saying about like the exercising and listening at the same time, like find ways like that to be creative where you can make it something that is, um, sustainable for you and your family. Yes. Um, and, and like whenever we often, not always, but often when we use any of the resources that we're talking about, we do it at Mm mealtime because we're already sitting together. It's a time where, you know, I can get the kids started on something while I'm making dinner or, you know, Taylor can read while the rest of everyone else is eating. Mm -hmm. And so really just being creative, like you're saying, not saying you should like always like multitask, right, but just find right. rhythms for your family that uh-huh. are sustainable and are um, just really fruitful. That's huge. And I think we're going to talk about that even more, but we're real big on rhythms mm-hmm. and everybody's is so different, like so different. So yes, find what works for you for sure. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important that we need to remember that this is an ongoing everyday process. Um, and this is something that, um, like we mentioned last week, can seem kind of overwhelming. <laughs> and right. so start one thing at a time. Yeah. Like maybe you haven't been spending time in the word yourself, so that's where you need mm-hmm. to start. Mm-hmm. And then you can slowly add other things in. And these resources we're about to talk about, we don't do them all at one time. Like right. these are things that we've cycled through. These are things that we might do two or three at one time, you know, in the winter when we're home a lot and not doing a lot outside mm-hmm. the house. And then in summer, we might only do one thing or it might look different. Like, there's so much grace in this and um this is not a legalistic thing this is meant to be encouraging yeah and if if you like 
I've had this happen a couple times where I'm like, okay, this is the resource we're doing and we start it and it's just not oh, the yeah. right fit. It's yes. okay. You don't have to just like power <laughs> through. Like there yes. was a book that we started and I was like, we're just not really ready for yeah. this. Like it's yeah. just not the right age level mm-hmm. and we're just not really ready. And then there's been somewhere I'm like, we're going to do that one again as soon as mm-hmm. we finish it because it was so, so good. good. Yeah. And so I just yeah. think don't feel like you have to be stuck in something just because we recommended it right. or because like, you started for it. Sure. Or for sure. For sure. So some of the things we've liked I mentioned already the new city catechism um we have loved that they have an actual curriculum it is I would say it's made more for like a Sunday school class but if Mm -hmm. you homeschool and you want to do or if you're just home with your kids and you're more um you're a person that likes activities to do with things it's good if you're more um so Casey does the curriculum I just do the questions well (laughs) we bought the curriculum (laughs) we bought the curriculum and I handed it to Jonathan um and he does use some of the activities sometimes um during our morning time but we've kind of switched over to mainly just doing the questions and some of the songs and that's another thing that I would highly recommend is yeah songs are always always helpful the catechism if you don't know what a catechism is it's basically just questions and answers um because the bible's a big book right so they've they've taken important questions in the bible and and simple answers for the kids and combine those where if someone asks a child like who is god they'll they'll know the answer to mm-hmm. that based on these catechism questions. I will say really fast like it's probably if I were to say start with one thing that's probably what I would say start with yeah other besides than the just Bible. reading the Bible besides the Bible yes, yes. but the reason is yes. that it's such a good filter and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we've talked about this on here before but like anytime my kids watch a movie or listen to a mm-hmm. podcast or something like that I'll ask them like is that true is that in line yes you know and they're mm-hmm. able to not have to think about the whole entire Bible, but right. they're able to think, oh, catechism question says, you know, is there more than one God? No, there is only one right. true God. So like mm-hmm. Moana, for example, when they talk about demigods, they're mm-hmm. like, is there demigods, mom? And I say, what does the catechism say? Yeah. Is there more than one true God? Yeah. So it just gives a really good foundation. Mm-hmm. And if you're wondering like age-wise when to start this, we started with the songs, just listening to the songs when the girls were probably three Maybe I would say as soon as they can start listening. Yeah, like, and that's because I didn't know about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Then. I probably same, same here. Like if I, I mean, Juliana has heard them. I mean, yeah, since yeah. she was a baby. Um. So yeah, I would say as soon as they can start listening to music, you can play these questions and answers for them, and mm-hmm. it just kind of it kind of ingrains it in them. Yeah. Um. Another resource we love, love, love Tiny Theologians. Mm-hmm. Um. She has all sorts of stuff. We have the they're called One with Christ cards right mm-hmm. union they're called? the union of christ cards um soteriology for kids mm-hmm. um which is just the doctrine of salvation and um but she I has a lot of other things you what my copy of those <laughs> well you gave them to oh, you right. said you ordered okay. more than one i don't know we'll don't figure remember. it out <laughs> that's fine we ordered her new one which is um every book of the Bible. It's like a one card summary. Yes. And so we do those. Um, we've been going through them one by one, but then also anytime we read something in another resource and like, so we'll talk about it in a minute, but we're going through a study of Romans with the girls this summer. And so we read the Romans card before yes. we started. So it's mm-hmm. a good thing to just have on mm-hmm. hand yeah, to give an idea of, okay, we're reading Romans. Where is Romans in the yeah. story of the Bible? And, yeah. and that kind of thing. She has a lot of really good, really good things. Um, we're going to move a little bit quickly. We could talk about all these for hours. Yeah, we just love true. these. So for our family, the CC curriculum, our classical conversations homeschool curriculum has been huge. It helps this um, 
kind of create this biblical worldview. And so everything we learn points back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so homeschooling, I get it's not for everybody, but if anybody is listening to this and has any questions about that, I thought I would throw that in there because I have had a lot of questions about like what curriculum we use and how it, um, how it ties in Jesus. So mm-hmm. that has been huge for discipleship at our house is just that everything we learn, even through our schoolwork points back to Jesus. We just started reading as a family morning and evening by Charles Spurgeon. And that's another one that I actually said, Hey, Jonathan, can we read this at at dinner together? And he's like, absolutely. That's a great idea. And it's funny because it's very old English. And Mm -hmm. so the girls at first were like completely zoned out when we would read it. Um, But the more they've heard that language, the more they understand it and appreciate it. And they're actually able at the end of each little devotional to say like, we say, what do you, what do you think this means? And a lot of times they're actually pretty spot on. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really cool to see, um, to see that Epic by Tim Challies is a new one. That's really, really cool. It walks through like church history kind of, but with like evidence. Mm -hmm. What would you say is a good age for that one? (sighs) I would say it really depends on your kids because if you have, yes, I think overall eight, is probably a good idea. But if you have like a five or six year old, that's really into like history and Mm -hmm. really into like artifacts and things like that, they would probably enjoy it. But I think in general, probably around eight, but Jonathan and I are really enjoying that one. (laughs) And the big picture story Bible, this is one Juliana's favorites. It's what it says. It's got big pictures Mm -hmm. and it's just a very simple storybook Bible. And then the Jesus storybook Bible, which we've talked about, over and over points every story back to Jesus. Um, and then another one we like is called theology mm-hmm. and it walks the kids through theology and mm-hmm. then there's songs to go with it too. Um, and it's really good. And it's one that we, we went through gosh, probably two years ago now. So we probably should go through it again. And so that's what I mean. We don't use all of these yeah. all the time. We use theology a lot as a reference. Like yes. when they ask me a question mm-hmm. about Trinity, then we'll yeah. go look at that or whatever. Yeah. So you have any more? Yeah, I mean, I would echo, I mean, I wouldn't echo CC because I don't know anything about that, but I would echo the other ones for sure. And then what we've been doing this summer is, um, so my girls are six, and so we have gotten the She Reads Truth. They make a kids read truth. And so we're doing their study of Romans. And I say their study of Romans very loosely. So it's really simple. It just has a one Bible verse on one page, and then the, and they write it down. And then, um, the next page is like a fun activity, like a word search or a coloring or something like that. So it's super simple. So what we do is instead of just reading the Bible verse, I'll read up to that Bible verse in their Bible so that they have the context for it. Cause you know about that. And then they just do it. They do it when we have breakfast takes maybe 10 minutes at the most to read and for them to color the activities. So that's been really good. Um, so I've had a lot of people ask what Bible we use with the girls and we, um, are using the it's different than the one Casey's referring to, but it's called the Big Picture Interactive Bible, and it's by um, the Gospel, the Gospel, Gospel Project, Project yeah. and it has really cool little notes that kind of summarize different stories in the Bible, and then it has a picture, which then you can use with your phone that makes like a pop-up, makes it like a pop-up book, which is like super simple, but the girls love it for that reason, so um, that's the Bible that we've been using, and then we recently got the book called Foundations by Ruth and Troy Simons, Simon Simmons, I don't know, I always get those confused. I think but it's Simons. It's honestly probably a little old for our girls' age. I would say probably like 
nine to like 15, like it's not worded in a kid's like kid wording. So it would be good for, you know, kids who, you know, might think these other things are too young. Um, but it's really good. Short, simple truths. We do that one. Um, when Taylor's not on shift, we do that one during dinners and it's again, five minutes maybe. And then it has a truth to dwell on a Bible verse and two questions to talk about as a family. So that's another one that we've been liking. Yeah, so those are just some resources that we use with our family. Again, we have created rhythms with these. Like Erin, we're sitting at Erin's table right now, and she has a box that has some of her books in it. We have a basket in our living room. We keep morning and evening by the table, so it's mm-hmm. right there. Like, you create these evening uh, these rhythms and just kind of have these things available. So when you can, you do yeah. it, and yeah. your kids just become used to it and it's Mm -hmm. just what they do that's a good point at first it might feel like you have to ask them every day to do it but now it's like the girls grab their books when we come to have breakfast and it's just what they know it's just what they do and that's another reason not to add it all at once I know a lot of you like I get really excited about resources Mm -hmm. and so like you might be tempted to go buy all these things and try to start them all at once remember like you have time take the long view realize like you've got plenty of time with these kids and um you don't have to do it all at once so just pick pick one thing and start there so what what do we believe and what um, do we believe the Bible says about the church's job in discipleship? Well, I think like you said at the beginning, like we believe that the first place of discipleship is home. And then the church, you know, also has a role and that'll look different, I think, per each church. Um, but essentially like the church is there not just for kids discipleship, but for discipleship of adults and, and for formation. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's on Sunday mornings. That's on during weekly Bible studies, life groups, whatever you call them, all those things should have some element of formation in them. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I also think that the church, which is exactly what you're saying, is there to serve and resource the home. So like if you're helping the adults with discipleship at church, if you're teaching them and helping them grow, they're able to bring that home Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. their family. So yeah, I think that's good. What might this practically look like? Um, I have really um, enjoyed, I, I, this is not unique to our church, but I don't know a lot of churches that have this kind of setup is we have what um, they've called the DNA groups, not drugs and alcohol, which is what <laughs> I thought it stood for at first, oh but <laughs> it's small single gender groups, like two to four. And what that, um, the whole purpose of it is discipleship and accountability. So that's what the, the DNA, although I guess they've used some different words in that. Uh-huh. So it's still up for debate. That's, yeah. They it's said debatable. sometimes the end means nurture. And I'm like, eh, I feel like that's weird. So we'll just stick with <laughs> discipleship and accountability. But what it does is we often think like accountability is just going to happen. And maybe for you it does. And that's awesome. But accountability is a really hard thing to live out. And we've talked about on here, um, back on our episode with Hannah on community and like, what does it look like to, you know, love people well? And part of that is accountability. And so sometimes it takes a, um, not a process, but like a, someone saying the purpose of this group is to disciple one another in the word and to keep each other accountable because there's not a lot of relationships 
you know, just naturally where you're going to be like, let's confess our sin together. And that is a big part of discipleship is saying, Hey, yes, I want to learn, but I also want right practice. Mm -hmm. And here's where I'm failing in right practice, or here's where I'm failing in right doctrine and in walking together with one another and saying, Hey, in order for us to look more like Jesus, we got to turn from that Mm -hmm. and we need to keep each other accountable. And so I think that's one really cool way that, um, just our specific church kind of lives out that idea of discipleship, um, specifically in those small groups. What are some other, um, some other ways you've seen this, some other like classes or, um, I know you've done the Austin stone development program, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is not with your church specifically, but Mm -hmm. it is with a local church. Yeah. So, um, I think this, like I said, it's going to look different depending on the size of your church, the resources of your church, all of those things. So the Austin stone is a, a, fairly large right. church in our right. area. And so they have a um, some different um, adult education classes, discipleship classes, formation classes, whatever you want to call them. Um, that, And I just finished one that was specifically about a doctrine and theology type class. And we walked through doctrine of God, doctrine of the word, doctrine of salvation, all not all of the things, but most of the things <laughs> yeah. you can think yeah. of when you think about doctrine. And so I think... Um, you may be thinking, oh, my church might not have a specific class or something like that. And two things I want to say to that mm-hmm. is maybe the Lord's putting it on your heart to talk to your pastor and maybe like be creative in yeah. the ways that discipleship plays out in your church, but also to feel free to um, to desire that and not get frustrated by maybe that fact that that desire is not being met, but ask the Lord, like, what does it look like to create environments where discipleship takes place and to not necessarily try to copy what another Uh church is doing, but saying like, wow, that's really cool how they're doing that. Like, how can we bring that? What does your church specifically need? Yes. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, you've done that before with the roots and fruits, Mm -hmm. um, Bible study. It was for moms to come and learn, but then kids to learn Mm -hmm. us alongside because we had a lot of young moms and that was a need. Um, you also started a mentorship program. So those were things that the Lord laid on your heart mm-hmm. and you said, well, our church doesn't have anything like this right now. Let's. Yeah. I think specifically the mentorship program, I think is, um, I mean, like I said, it's going to look different for which church you go to, but we see in Titus two like this command for older women to train up younger women. And so I think there is a specific unique calling for women, um, to live out this discipleship relationship in a way that is very practical mm-hmm. and very, um, how do I, like very focused on on the practical aspect of it. Because when we read those verses, it talks about um, teach the women to right. love their husbands, right. to enjoy their children, to um, be pure of heart mm-hmm. and to be workers at home and to be kind. And so it, it's very practical. And, and so I think we sometimes skip over that for the sake of, um, I don't really know what for the sake of, maybe for the sake of thinking that the practical isn't as important, yeah. but really it, discipleship, it cannot just be, like we said at the beginning, cannot just be right learning. It has right. to be right living as yeah. well. And so I think there is something specific about that calling. It's also scary, like being vulnerable with people mm-hmm. and opening your heart. And like you said, that accountability, like for some people, that's really scary, Yeah. Um, but it's needed and it's biblical. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. If you see those needs in your church, then we've said it over and over, but communication is mm-hmm. key. Talk mm-hmm. to your pastor, talk to your leadership and say like, the Lord's putting this on, on my heart. Like, does our church, you agree that our church needs this? What would it look like to start something like this? Mm-hmm. Like 
don't be shy. Like the Lord's putting that on your heart for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about what people a lot of times traditionally think mm-hmm. about when you mm-hmm. say discipleship, kind of this like one-on-one relationship. Like if someone comes to you and says, Hey, will you disciple me? Like, what does, yeah. what does yeah. that mean? What does that look like? Yeah. I think it's, I think we have this idea, right. Of it should look like meeting once a week, talking about a specific passage or different things like that at a coffee shop and, and I think there are seasons where that is necessary, especially maybe in the beginning of a relationship. It's like we need really defined times yeah. and places yeah. to get to know each other. And so I'm not saying that that's wrong, but like we've been saying this entire time, and this has just been something that's been um, convicting to me over the last couple of years is that um, it's not just right doctrine. And so when we get in those meetings where it's one-on-one, we think, okay, I have one hour with you. I need to teach you all the right doctrine. But like we've been saying, it's not just that. It's also right living. And so yesterday... Um, You've heard you've heard Abigail on on the show before if you've listened for a long time and if not she's um, someone that I've been walking through a discipleship relationship with for five years at least, or almost six now and I was asking her I was saying like what has been the most impactful for you not just in your relationship with me but in all your discipleship relationships and she said just watching the way you live and I was like okay like that and that to me was very you know that can be very overwhelming and convicting yes Um, yes. but I I completely agree because in the beginning she and I would get together at a coffee shop I would leave my kids up with Taylor you know they were real little babies when we first started meeting but and I felt like it had to be this time where I was specifically teaching her right doctrine and that is part of it a hundred percent but in the more recent years, like she's just come over. Like yesterday, she just came over. She painted the girls' nails. She played with Reed. We talked about how this semester of college has been with all of the changes and and just like um, all these, you know, right living out your right doctrine. And so I think sometimes we need to just kind of step back and think, what do we think discipleship is supposed to be? Why do we think it's supposed to be that? And then test that against scripture. And like we said, we see Jesus not just teaching, but also walking day to day with his disciples, every, you know, all different circumstances. And so I think that's, um, if that's, you know, one thing you could take away from this is to really just Take your definition of discipleship and lay that against scripture and ask God, like, what does it look like for me to live in a discipleship relationship in this season that I'm in? You may Mm -hmm. need really heavy mentorship right now. And that's, that's awesome. That is one form of discipleship. Mm -hmm. So there's not necessarily a wrong way to go about this, but to really just ask God, like in the season I'm in, what does it look like for me to grow, to be more like you? And what does it look like in turn for me to bring someone else in? Mm -hmm. I think we focus a lot on being discipled, but we also need to be in situations where we are discipling in, in, in both. Um, I read an article on TGC that was talking about this and it was really good in that article. It said disciple making is accomplished by modelers, not just messengers. Disciples develop not merely through the intake of correct information, but also through the witnessing the life and choices of other disciples they encounter on their way. This is why the old Testament emphasizes both the memorization of scripture and the conversations about the law that take place in the daily rhythms of life. It's talking about the passage in Deuteronomy there. And it says that this emphasis corresponds with the New Testament picture of Jesus being with his disciples. Jesus was always teaching, not just through his public discourses, but also through his actions. This is good. I keep, all morning I've been thinking about this example that um, our pastor said at the beginning of the year, I think. He said that 
long story short, and I'm probably going to get this a little bit wrong, but he said in college, well, he was college pastor and one of his students came and said, Hey, will you disciple me? And he was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. But first I want to ask you, who have you been sharing Jesus Mm -hmm. with? And that stuck with me. And that was like hugely convicting to me because, um, kind of like Aaron has talked about for a long time, I was so focused on formation and I was so focused on, um, you know, like, doctrine and teaching and investing in believers that I was forgetting about that piece that we've mm-hmm. talked about, about the, the living it out, yeah. the sharing the gospel, the talking to people about Jesus. So I think focusing, um, like we have on this episode about right teaching and right living, right teaching and right living. It's not about teaching. It's about not just about what you're teaching. It's about what you're living out. Um, so it's this balance and that can seem like Aaron said, that can seem really big and heavy and overwhelming. But if you create these rhythms and if you just saturate your life with the good news of the gospel and you, um, see Jesus for the, the beautiful gift that he is, you'll want to share that with others and it'll just, it'll overflow. And so don't let this episode be overwhelming to you, but let it be an encouragement to you that, um, this is a, an amazing, um, privilege that we have to be disciples and to get to disciple other people. Um, this mandate and this mission is, is a beautiful thing that we get to be a part of. And, um, so we just encourage you to live that out and we will be back after the summer, right? With episode With 100. Episode 100. And so um, tune in throughout the summer. We're going to re-air some past episodes. So if you have subscribed to us, like I hope you have on um, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, you will see those new episodes pop up that are really old episodes that are being re-aired. So mm-hmm. either listen to them again or listen to them for the first time. beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox. 